Praise God. All right. Let me get back to the scriptures and the message for today. We have been doing a, a series of teaching the last several weeks. I started it, I guess today is four weeks ago, entitled uh, from Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 3, how we are to receive the instruction. Everyone say receive instruction. How we're to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. And so wisdom will always, the wisdom from heaven, God's wisdom will always be manifested as just. It'll be, it'll be manifested in accurate judgment, discernment, and it will always be equitable, meaning it will always be fair. It will always be fair. And so our responsibility is to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. And we've been especially using the, the occasion of February being Black History Month. We went into it with the purpose of addressing racial tensions and, and political tensions and just any kind of tension that, uh, and junk that's going on in our culture in, in, at this current time that we're living, purposing to address those situations and to be challenged in those areas. A few weeks ago, we were, I was having conversation, and uh, Nathan Miller and Alex and I we were, were talking about what we believe God wanted to speak to the congregation here over, over the next several weeks. And, and as we were talking about it, uh, I had made a follow-up phone call with Alex, and we were talking about some different things. And, and uh, he mentioned it two weeks ago when he... Uh, did the message here, and, but when he first said it to me, it like hit me right where it hurts, right in the heart. I thought, wow, that really hurts. <laughs> and, and I told him that, and he just laughed and said, well, let it hurt. <laughs> but basically, we were talking about church, how there's different types of churches. There's churches that are really adamant about teaching the Word of God, teaching proper doctrine, teaching faith, and so forth, and which, which, which Grace Church would come out of that category. I, I, I've been very uh, firm on we, we need to be teaching the Word of God. That's what the church is all about. It's God's Word. God ordained the church, and he's, Jesus said the church uh, uh, would, would prevail. He's going to build the church. It'll prevail. That The gates of hell would not prevail against it, but the church would be successful and so forth. And so I've always been really adamant about we must be teaching the Word of God. God. And in that conversation, he brought up the fact that uh, because we were comparing, there's churches that teach the Word of God, and there's other churches that are like, well, that's not really important. What we need to do is we need to, we, we, we need to be uh, proponents of, and we need to be advocates of social justice. So the pendulums can swing either way. It can be over here teaching the Word, teaching the Word. We've been, doctrinally, we can be very, very enlightened, and we can almost become boastful and, and proud of all the knowledge that we have of God's Word. Now, I'm not criticizing. We need to have knowledge of God's Word, but our attitude towards it needs to be checked. Then you have other denominations that are over here and say, well, it's not that important that we teach the Word. It's important that we get involved in social justice. What happens is that we're polarized, and there's this two different sides, but church over here can learn from this church, and this church over here can learn from this church, and we can come together, and it comes back to learning how to communicate. And the point that Alex brought out was the fact that if we're so dogmatic about doctrine, 
and our doctrine and our doctrine that we can have fellowship and relationship with other people that think different, that may even believe a little bit different. If we are rich in doctrine and poor in fellowship and relationship, we're still a poor church. That's when I said, that really hurts, Alex. Because <laughs> I really felt God was speaking that we need to become much richer, much richer, not poorer, not poorer in doctrine, but we need to become richer in relationship. To the extent that we can have fellowship with people that don't think like us, look like us, dress like us, worship like us. Amen. And the wisdom of God will always be manifested in that type of a relationship. That type of relationship. My training up in, in the church, training up in the, in the faith, in my formative years, I was raised in a, in a Mennonite, a very plain Mennonite sect. Uh, they believed in uh, abstaining from anything that was worldly, meaning anything that was invented within the last 50 years. If it's new, it's worldly. They now have stuff that I was excommunicated for. But it's no, you know, anyway, I don't want to go down that road. But <laughs> see how hard it is to be equitable, to be just. <laughs> but it was not uncommon for me to hear this phrase in my, in my family growing up. Are they one of us? When conversation was brought up about someone, it's like, why well, are they one of us? It's like, let's get that straight, because if they're not, it's not that important. Now, they didn't say that, but implied, are they one of us? It's not new with my family. I was reading through the book of Acts, and you're familiar with the story of Peter in Acts chapter 10 when Peter had the visions on the housetop. He was praying, he was hungry, and he was waiting for, for dinner to be served. And in the meantime, he fell asleep, and he had a vision, and the sheet came down from heaven with all kinds of, of animals and beasts in it, and, and, the, and the voice, he saw all kinds of unclean animals in it in this vision, and he heard a voice from heaven saying, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, I have never consumed anything unclean. I've never eaten anything unclean. And, and that voice came to him three times, and the Lord spoke to him, said, you must not call common or unclean what I have cleansed. And it had nothing to do with animals. God used that picture to speak to Peter to make to get Peter to realize, because God's intent was that the grace that Peter and the Jewish people had received. And when you read the book of Acts, I mean, Acts starts off with the day of begins with the day of Pentecost. The, the church is born. The church is growing by leaps and bounds. There's miraculous miracles taking place. People are supernaturally healed. They're walking. They're leaping. They're praising God. The dead are raised, and all kinds of really neat things are happening. And it's growing. And three thousand people are added. Then five thousand people are added to the church. And I think, wow, what what a time to be involved in the church when it's just such dynamic things are taking place and was really doing well and really growing and lots of miracles taking place in the church among the Jewish people 
But there was another whole group of people known as Gentiles. And when you read John 3, 16, it tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so God's love and God's demonstration of his love through Jesus at Calvary's cross was for the whole world, not only for one group of people. It's for all people, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every nation. So the idea is, are they one of us? Well, yeah, all these neat things were happening among the Jewish church, but God wanted, that, God wanted his grace and his love to be extended to the whole world, and he had to get through to Peter, and he had to grab his attention and say, Peter, do not think of any people. Do not think of anything that I have cleansed as being uncleansed, or, or, or don't call it common. So there's no such thing as, are they one of us? Meaning, in our way of believing, in our house of worship, in, in our denomination. Those are all man-made things. It's all man-made. And the scriptures teach us that the, that, that the tradition of man makes the word of God and the null and ineffective. So we certainly don't want to be in a position where we're hindering the grace of God because of any type of prejudice. And are, are they one of us? Are they, are they a member of our church? Are they, remember, are they a member of this denomination? And so forth. And, you know, of course, we thought here some years ago that we, we thought, well, we, we, we got the corner in the market. Now we're going to solve this whole problem. We're not going to be a denominational church. We're going to be an independent church. Because there's so many independent churches that we're not an independent denomination. Because <laughs> we all think independently. We say in, on paper, but we all think, you know, we have a tendency to all think alike. Well, all those independent churches, we, we, we got it. We got it. The other denominations don't have it. So if you're not one of us, meaning an independent church, we're more knowledgeable. We have greater faith. We have greater understanding. We have greater power. And the, and the, and the games never stop. Just the, the pendulum never stops swinging from one extreme to the other. And I've said this years ago. I don't know. I probably don't have the cassette tape that tells you how long ago it was. <laughs> but I remember teaching one Sunday morning on, on the power and the, and the gifts and the anointing and the leadership of the Holy Spirit and saying, I believe that we can be a church, that we can be a people of God that's filled with the love of God, filled with the power of God, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we can do so without being weird or flaky. <laughs> and I have pushback from that. Oh, are you thinking we should tamp it down when it comes to the Holy Spirit? So I didn't say that. I said we can have the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit without being flaky. Right. And the real adamant, newly born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, tongue-talking, praising, casting out, demon Holy Spirit-filled people got offended at that. I'm thinking, okay, what did I just miss here? What did I just miss? Is it okay if I just be honest with you this morning? I still believe that. I still believe we can love God. We can be students of the Word of God. We can be men and women of faith. If faith comes by hearing. Matter of fact, I believe we need to be men and women of faith because my Bible teaches that without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
So to just get involved in social justice issues without having a spirit of faith and a spirit of love and an empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not pleasing God. Nor is just thinking, well, we are... We have the corner in the market. We're men and women of faith. We, we have an insight and we have a knowledge and we have access to God that other people don't have. That's not pleasing God either. We're supposed to be doers of the word and not hearers only. But you're not supposed to be a doer without being a hearer either. So it takes both. So I, I know you probably thought I lost my place there with Peter, but Peter said, I have never eaten anything common uncommon and God rebuked him said Peter there's a whole other group of people I'm paraphrasing now. I said, there's a whole other group of people out there they're my people they're my people I entered into a covenant with Abraham and I said through Abraham every tongue every nation every tribe all the families of the earth would be blessed so don't you be looking down your nose at another people as if you're something special. We are special to God, but so are everyone else. So is everyone that's different than us. They're God's people. We're all God's people. Are we one of us? So anyway, Peter, he, he, he decided, well, do you know what? This is God speaking. I, I better get on board here before I get myself in trouble. So Peter does do what he's supposed to do. It ended up in that vision. There was another man had a vision at the same time. His name was Cornelius, and he had the vision to bring Peter to my house. I'm going to get my family together, and I'm going to invite Peter to come, and Peter's going to come, and he's going to talk to us Gentiles about the grace that the Jewish people received. So he invited Peter to come, and Peter Peter shows up because the Lord told him to go. Peter shows up and he says, you know, it's not lawful for me to be here. <laughs> Just letting you know, I'm here, but I'm not supposed to be here. We need to overcome that. What law said he's not supposed to be there? And since when are we under law? We're under grace, right? But Peter said, you know, he's just, he's just, you know, just a disclaimer. I'm not supposed to be here. It's not lawful for me to be here. And he started sharing the word of God, the grace of God with the Gentile people. And when you read through that, when you read through it in chapter 10 and into chapter 11, it, it just, it, it's really, really interesting how, see if I can find a, I think I wrote down one of the verses here that I wanted to highlight for you. It was, uh, I can probably find it quicker by going into the word here. But in Acts chapter 10, after Peter shared the word with them, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They were born again. They received the fullness of the Spirit. And then at the end of chapter 10, it makes a transition where Peter's now going back to the other apostles, and he's going back not just to rejoice and tell them all the good things that happened, but he's going back to defend what he just did. Don't you just love it when God calls you to do something and then you feel like you have to defend, it, defend yourself to other people that don't see it like you see it? But he was courageous enough to defend it. He said, this was a God thing. This was a God thing. But there's still, there's still some uh, language in there that I, I find it striking and I, and I find it convicting because... The same thing happens in my life, and I'm, I think it's probably safe to assume that you wrestle with it as well, but I, I find it interesting that when Peter is, he's, re, 
He's re-articulating everything that just happened from the vision that he had of the sheep coming down from heaven, the voice from heaven saying, uh, what God has cleansed, you must not call common, and how that was done three times, and the Spirit of God told him to, to go with Cornelius, to go to Cornelius' household. Don't doubt anything, and, and go and do what you're supposed to do, because Cornelius invited him to come. And he said, tell us the words by which you and your house, by which me and my household will be saved. Then here Peter makes this statement in Acts 11. It's, it's found in verse 15 and again in verse 17. Acts 11, verse 15 and 17. It says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, as he had come on us, underline the word there, them and us. Then ask yourself, what's up with that? Reminds me of my childhood. Are they one of us? Them and us. Verse 17, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us. There we see it again. When we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could withstand God? Well, you can't withstand God, but you can overcome the idea of them and us. So what them and us, and are they one of us, do you need to wrestle with today? Do you need to clean up your act on Get, out, get, it, get it out of your mind that, listen, these people are created by God. We're all God's people. We're all created in the image of God. And let's overcome that, are they one of us? And let's overcome that, them and us. Them and us. We're all God's people. Amen? Are you with me? So we're receiving the instruction of wisdom that transforms what we believe and what we do and how we do it, how we do it. That we become doers of the word in wisdom. We become doers of the word concerning justice. We become doers of the word concerning judgment and equity. Now, if you were here last week, uh, Alex spoke two weeks ago, and last Sunday morning, Nathan Miller gave the message, and he dealt with the subject of judgment and going beyond the, the again, rising above it, the ability to judge, and, and, and rising above it and coming to a place where we no longer have, have the felt need that we need to judge, and he gave a powerful, powerful illustration. If you weren't here, I want to encourage you to listen to it. But he, he, he challenged us all with uh, introducing us to, to two fairly popular people that, we, that most people know in, in our society today, and it was Colin Kaepernick and, and Tim Tebow, and contrasted the two, and so that's all I'm going to tell you about that. But you go ahead and you listen to it. But that we can come, we can grow beyond that us and them. Why well, I'm in the Tebow camp, I'm in the Kaepernicker, I'm in the Kaepernick camp. Really? I agree with Kaepernick, I agree with Tebow. And then we find out that they're both born again believers. We're loving one and judging the other, or we're judging, loving the other one and hating the other one. So, and, and just realizing, having our eyes open up. But that original, it was a blog that, that, that we read, Nathan and I and, and Alex, we, we had read the blog, but the original writing on that was, was to 
point out not just the contrast between Kaepernick and Tim Tebow, but the contrast with the saying that it's a, it's a picture of a divided church, which I just referenced earlier. We have a whole bunch of churches on one side and a whole bunch of churches on the other side. And they are adamant about this is the way we go. Well, how about we stop judging and how about we stop saying us or them or I'm with this group or I'm with that group and let's all recognize that we're all God's people. Folks, it has to begin with the church. There's a lot of... uh, angst in our culture today about where we are as a nation, the political tension, the, you know, the, 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 the ugliness that's, that's among the media concerning politics and, and racial discrimination and just all the ugly stuff that's going on. And, and there's a tendency for us to be lazy about it and to cry out and say, our, our leaders need to stop it. Our leaders need to do this. Our leaders need to do that. I don't know if you recognize it or not, but for the large part, the government tries to respond to the cry, to the loudest cry of the populace. They never really get to fix anything. They just keep changing them, you know, they keep changing the markers on the field. And it makes a whole bunch of people feel good about it. Yeah, we got our way. Then the next group says, we got our way. And then everyone's getting their way. And nothing really seems to be getting better. I have a newsflash for you. The responsibility of things becoming better is upon the church. It's upon the church. We need to do better. If the church doesn't get it right concerning racial bias, prejudice, judgmentalism, how can we cry foul with the government? Well, if the government would just, if our president would just, if the Congress would just, If the media would just stop this, if the media would just do that, how about if I would overcome that us and them, or are they one of us mentality? And start recognizing that God's people are God's people, and I need to begin to lift a voice and to to lift a voice to God in prayer, and then lift a voice and begin communicating with people that perhaps I've called unclean or considered to be unclean, or or not one of us. Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord require of us? Do justice. Do justice, not just think justice, not just to cry out for justice, not just to vote for justice, what you think is justice, and not just to complain and want other people to do just, but you do justice. You begin to do what is just, right, and fair. What does the Lord require of you? He requires that you you, you do justice. You love mercy. You walk humbly with him. That you walk humbly with him. And so it's incumbent upon us to, 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 to step up our game and to really become everything that God has called us to be. And, and not to allow the church, the church to be co-opted by politics. We're not a political entity. But Pastor Ray, it's important. I didn't say it's not important. That's not not our assignment. I'm not saying it's it's wrong for you as a born-again Christian to be involved in politics. I think that's probably a good thing. 
Most likely it's a good thing. Why not have moral people in positions of authority? But why not start with having moral people pray for those in positions of authority over us? Can I just tell you one of my biggest pet peeves with the church and politics? It makes me so mad I could just spit. That's, that's, that's me. <laughs> I mean, that's really mad. <laughs> when you grew up in the family I grew up with, you were mad enough that you're spitting mad. <laughs> it's when people cry about our current culture today and they pinpoint it on taking prayer out of school. It makes me so angry. Do you see any empty seats next to you today? Has anyone taken prayer out of the church, worship out of the church? Are people free to pray? Are they free to worship this morning? Yes. Yeah. When we call a Wednesday night prayer meeting and all six of us show up, <laughs> you wonder what's wrong with their culture? That's what's wrong with their culture. It's not the government taking prayer out of school. It's the devil taking prayer out of the church. Be involved in politics. Do what you feel you need to do. Do it in a spirit of grace, but don't do it in the spirit of us versus them when it comes to the people. Have dialogue. Bring the wisdom of God into it. Bring justice, judgment, and equity into it. Equity means fairness. You bring the fairness into it. Chuck Colson made this statement. He said, the easiest group of people to co-op are evangelicals. And it's important that as evangelical Christians, we do not fall for the temptation of power, especially political power. When we start talking about the kingdom of God, kingdom authority, it's a complete different government that we are submitted to. And we need to keep our hearts right, just and pure and equitable toward all people. Our temptation is to, is to thirst and to long for recognition in this world. Many times evangelicals will, will struggle with an intellectual inferior complex at the same time wrestling with a superior, with a spiritual superior complex. And we don't need to wrestle with either one. We should not be wrestling with a spiritual superior complex. We're more superior. We're kingdom people. We're people, we're children of the king. So are the people you're looking down at. The cross of Christ reflects God's true love, his care, and his character. And our lives, likewise, need to reflect the same thing. So let's grow beyond them and us. Are they one of us? I guess we could say, are they one of us? I mean, they're all one of us, right? Everyone's one of us, but not in the sense of, well, if you're not one of us, then it's not that important. I'll be honest with you, because I had that, I, 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 when you grew up with something, that's the way it is. I can remember asking myself the question, well, if that is true, if that's true, and if this rule is true, and if this doctrine is true, then that means that only us are going to heaven. And if only us are going to heaven, it's not going to be all that much fun. 
I had the calling of God in my life as a kid, and I, didn't, you know, I recognize it now looking back at it, but I used to think, boy, I used to dread the idea of being a minister. I thought, oh, my word. Talk about boring, dull, boring. <laughs> Turn with me to 1 Peter. Start, start with my notes now so we can... Thank you for my therapy time. I feel a whole lot better. <laughs> First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Now, whenever you, you know, we're, of course, we're pulling out a verse there in, in, in the middle of, a, of what Peter's, what, what's being written here. But prior to this, in the beginning of chapter 3 and also in chapter 2, he's talking to different groups of people. He's talking about the, the proper conduct, conduct of servants to their masters, masters to their servants, uh, submission among husbands and wives, how the wives are to conduct themselves, how husbands are to conduct themselves, and, and how they're to treat their wives. And then, it's, then it comes to this, finally, all of you, say all of you, now, does that sound anything like us and them? Or are they one of us? No, he said, all of you, all of you be of the same mind. Having compassion for one another, love us brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. That's what I believe. The wisdom of God will always be manifested in justice. It'll be manifested as in, in judgment, and it'll be manifested as equitable, which means it will always be fair. It will be just, right, and fair. And fair. But it's God's wisdom that, that will bring this out, and that is our responsibility that we treat each other in the wisdom of God, that we love us brothers, we're tender-hearted, we are courteous, we are kind to one another, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, on the contrary, blessing. So start this quest for reconciliation, this quest for loving people, this quest for receiving the instruction of wisdom, which will always be just. It will always have proper discernment, judgment, and it will always be fair. Begin by submitting yourself to God. Say, God, here's my heart. I want to make sure I treat everyone with kindness. I'm going to treat everyone with fairness. I'm going to love other people as a brother. Be tender-hearted. I'm going to be courteous. I'm not going to render. I'm not going to return evil for evil, reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, when people speak evil of me or they're reviling me, they're using foul language, they're saying derogatory things about me and to me. I'm on the contrary, as a child of the king, 
representing the king, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as in heaven. It's manifested as wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. I'm going to return blessing, knowing that that's what I'm called to. That's what I'm called to. That's the wisdom of God, my friend. In closing, turn to Proverbs chapter 31. When you look at verse 8 and 9, Proverbs 31. The 31st chapter of Proverbs here, these are the words of, of uh, King Lamel's mother. He says, the words of King Lamel, the utterance which his mother taught him, and she's teaching him different things. Most people recognize Proverbs 31 as a, as a place where the talks about the virtuous wife, but that begins at, chapter, uh, at verse 10 through the rest of the chapter. But verse 8 and 9, we're talking about wisdom, receiving the instruction of wisdom. Here is the place every one of us can start. We, we begin here. Verse 8, open your mouth for the speechless in the, in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Verse 9, open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Open your mouth. Everyone say, open my mouth. <laughs> now, that can mean several different things. It can mean, okay, I'm going to begin to open up my mouth. I'm going to pray for people. Whatever application we want to put to it, but I think this is an application we can all begin to do with wisdom, justice, with judgment, and with equity, with the complete fairness, equitable treatment of all people. We can begin to open our mouth and we can begin having conversations with people who we were uncomfortable having conversations with. And in the area of the areas that we are tempted to judge people, rather than judging, why don't you ask people their story? Find out why they are where they are or what's going on in their lives before you make a judgment as to where they are in their lives. So many times when you hear a backstory, you think, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed that I made this judgment. I had to share with Barry Diamond just before the service. I remember it's probably 30-some years ago. I was at New York, up in New York and, uh, at a minister's conference, and the minister that was speaking that particular evening uh, Worship was over, and just as worship was over, the ushers brought his wife in and sat her up front. I thought, well, that's odd. Then I even thought, worse than that, I'm even more judgmental, I thought, so when you get to be popular like this minister, you don't have to come in for worship. You just kind of like, you know, you just come in at the end of worship. These were the thoughts I had in my mind. And then it got even worse because as soon as the minister was finished teaching, the ushers again ushered this woman and a couple other people out. And I thought, oh my gosh. This is just getting too much. You know, this, is, this isn't even for real anymore. You get to a point where you're holier and mightier than everyone. You don't have to worship. You don't have to stay for the altar call. You, you get ushered in late. You get ushered out early. And I was making all these critical judgmental calls about this minister's wife. I found out a week or two later, and I felt dumber than dumb, lower than you can be. I found out that she just recently had a tumor removed from her brain. Just recently. She was still in recovery. 
And when I found that out, I thought, how stupid can you be? I was in no position to judge because I didn't know. We are always not in a position to judge because we don't know. That's why God said, leave it up to me. I'll take care of it. You love on people. You encourage people. You pray for people, but stop judging people. Stop judging people. And so when we find out why people may do what they do or not doing what they're not doing, you know, when you know the real story, it changes everything. It changes everything. So begin having conversation. Begin communicating. Communicate with the people, not about the people, not to your people, not to us about them. <laughs> Remember, there's no us and them. We're beyond that. Can we, can we agree to that? Are we beyond the us and them? I know you're thinking, well, I'm thinking about them that get out of church before us and get to the diner before us if you don't soon shut up, Pastor. <laughs> well, let's let them eat, all right? <laughs> Praise God. All right, I'll stop. I think I made my point. I think the Holy Spirit made his point. Let's be free. Are you open to the instruction of wisdom, judgment, justice, and equity, the treatment, the fair and righteous, equitable treatment of all people? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for speaking to our hearts. We thank you, Lord God, that we can rise above our carnal thinking. We can rise above our carnal need to, to be right, our carnal need to judge other people to make ourselves feel better, or for whatever reasons we do it, we just don't need to do it. We can learn to love people. We can learn to embrace people. And we, we can begin to, by opening our mouth and having conversation with people and being kind to people and, and, and being tenderhearted and courteous to all your creation in Jesus' name, name above all names. And we can really, Father, we have so much to learn and so much to experience. There's such richness among the diversity of culture and, and just all your diversity, Father God. In, in the middle of all your diversity, you're calling us into a spirit of unity. And it's such a richness in that if we'll just open up our hearts to that and not be afraid. There's no fear in your love. And Father, it's where we want to come to, is come to a place where we are not afraid of different. But Lord God, that we embrace your love, your grace, and all your people in Jesus' name, name above all names. Amen. Amen. Amen.